Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9 Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring That is exactly right Like the man said This is Fender Bender on Saturday afternoon You're on Joy 94.9 And my name is Daniel Gardner We've got another hour of all things automotive coming up for you On just about the gayest station in the nation Possibly the world I will be joined by two very special people in the studio. We'll be talking about all things international and national news and also some very interesting cars we've been driving lately. You may have spotted the deliberate mistake there. This is not Tim Nicholson. He is at large somewhere. Uh, I don't know what he's up to, so I'll be holding the fort this week. And uh, we are going to be talking all things cars. This is Fender Bender. This is the car show on Joy 94.9. But you won't be sitting there listening to me just talk to myself for the next hour. I would, I'd be willing to do that. I'll be completely honest. Uh, I feel I can fill an hour of absolute nonsense. But I won't have to because I'm joined in the studio by uh, somewhat of a regular on Fender Bender, the lovely Mark Costello. How are you, sir? I'm good, and I don't have the luxury of a semi sweat British accent like you do, so maybe oh. an hour in an echo chamber of just yourself would be more palatable to the listeners. I'm not quite sure. Stop it. Mm. Stop it. I'm not going to test the theory. It's very nice of you, but I'd prefer it if we could have some kind of dialogue. That would be great. And now then, this is, this is a, a, we've, we've privileged, privileged to be joined in the studio by a, a, a personality not unknown to Fender Bender. In fact, may I say, perhaps one of the old favourites, Jeremy. Am I a favourite? Welcome back. Thank you, Dan. You always make me feel funny when you're hosting this show because you look at me like you're talking only to me. What? I think, How else should I do it? I don't know. Look at the floor. <laughs> no. That would just be it, weird. I mean, it's like when you get told off, you look at the floor, don't you? You get all sort of self-conscious and a bit weird. Yeah, well, you're making me feel weird. Okay, well, I'm sorry about that. I will do everything No, I it's can okay. To- I really like it. Actually, you look wonderful today because I have to say... Before I came on here, I had two separate people ask me what I was doing, and when I mentioned that I was on the show with you, they're like, oh, with Hot Dan, (laughs) and two people that you wouldn't even know, and I don't know how they know you and know your face, because your face is nowhere, but... But my like, face yeah, is nowhere. That, did that, you that say? was the ultimate well, backhanded. You know, that's not very nice. <laughs> Do you mean like my face isn't in the in the public arena? Yeah, well, is it's you not. Mean? You don't. It's just my do the social medias. Yeah. Well, that's I'm very happy to carry the the, the mantle of hot Dan. That's yeah, fine. that's it. Hot Dan. In full stop. That was it. So we are here to talk about cars, and not necessarily my face or voice. Although that also is fine with me. Mm. Now we haven't seen you for a little while, Jeremy. And a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk to you about why we haven't seen you. You've been up mm. to you've been up to very good things, but don't give it away just yet. We'd like to talk to you a little bit about that later. In the meantime, if you'd like to talk to us, you can get in touch. 0427JOY949. That's the text line. Let us know, uh, let us know your motoring escapades. Or you can email onair at joy.org.au. Uh, we promise to read out... Oh, well, I'll read out all the messages. Not, I, normally I screen them, you know, but this, I'm feeling generous today. I'm just going to read out everything mm. you send in. Normally the ones that you have to screen are ones that don't have any text in them anyway. So yeah, true, 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 true. Those we just yeah. post on the Facebook totally. page. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are here to talk about cars and we're going to kick off with a little bit of news. Uh, let's start local. Now, Hyundai, very popular brand in Australia. Um, Jeremy, you have dealings with Hyundai as well. I do, yes. And uh, this uh, just last week we had, or the end of last month, there was a little bit of bad news for Hyundai. There was a, a huge storm in Sydney. 
and their very new main parts distribution center collapsed mm. under uh, about 20 centimeters of hail whole thing gone written off the whole lot two and a half million dollars worth of parts now has this caused uh, a bit of a strife yeah, for you totally it's but it's not just Hyundai it's Kia the, yeah of course yeah the sister or brother whatever you want to call yep. it um, but yeah, it's completely stopped all parts nationwide, and so everything's coming out of Korea again. They've put a big order in, which I would have thought would be here by now, which because it happened what two weeks ago, Dan? Uh, it was yeah, uh, Anzac weekend. Right. So yeah, you would have th- thought that if they're coming out on plane, that it would all be here by now, but it's not. So you'd have to say they've stuck it on a ship. But that's a lot of parts to put the yeah. whole nationwide. Be too much for a plane. Yeah, everybody's kind of swapping between. Uh, retail centres at the moment. So if your Hyundai has broken down in the past few weeks, or your Kia, you just can't get it fixed, is that Yeah, right? basically. Basically, well, you have to I, sit there without a car. I spoke to Hyundai, and they said that they believe that the stock they've got in dealerships around the country should just about carry them over until the Unless new Unless you have, arrives. like, a really obscure problem or something. Yeah. Which it, it has been mm. so far. The only ones, yeah, is the obscure ones. So something comes in that's yeah. got... Um, and they, they know they know a majority of the, the cases that are going to come up, and those are the parts that come on planes, the really urgent stuff. Otherwise, it's all on boats. Apparently, 170 containers arriving uh, beginning of next week mm. um, of new stock. So, yes, it is, it's a big problem, and uh, their contingency plan apparently is taking good care of it. Um, on other no- local news, we're all familiar with this, uh, this, the phenomenon which is Uber, are we? Uber's... I know a little bit yeah, about it. It's kind of one of those things that... I don't know, it seems like only six months ago that it was a fringe thing. Uber was this mystical fringe yeah. company. And, and now it's ubiquitous. Everyone I know has used it. Not everybody uses it again. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people love it. Um, but yeah, it's just completely ubiquitous. It feels like so it's bigger it than taxis. So something where someone can sign up who has a car and they're just a... Yeah, they're not a, a licensed taxi driver. They have outside, to, isn't it? Yeah, they have to fulfil certain requirements, like the age of the car it has to be not older than I can't remember how many years, um, and they, there's one or two other requirements. But what Uber have now done—you yeah, have to have a clean, like clear license. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No yeah. infringements. What Uber has now done is they've introduced a new service called Uber Assist, which apparently, and they're marketing this as being able to help disabled and mobility um, compromised passengers. Uh, now, the Australian uh, Taxi Industry Association has come to this saying that it's misleading because uh, if a taxi, a licensed taxi, says they can pick up a, um, uh, someone in a wheelchair, they can accommodate all wheelchairs, whereas what Uber is not saying is they can only deal with fold-up stuff. See, here's the thing, though. I've read that Uber press release. I reckon the taxi organisation's been a bit misleading here because I reckon Uber does say it. I remember reading Uber's press release and walking away with a pretty clear in my mind, indication that they're not doing the full wax service. And the taxi industry has been getting increasingly uh, rigorous in its criticisms of Uber. And the only reason I can think of for that is because Uber is stealing its business and doing a good job of it. There's a protest we saw recently in Perth. The taxi industry is getting pretty up in arms because, uh, frankly, you know, some people out there, and I won't speak for everyone, but some people are having better experiences with Uber. There are areas that Uber seems to be doing things better. So I wonder whether this is just a reaction from a taxi industry that's getting a little desperate. I wonder. Yeah, it could possibly be. Um, They're certainly worrying them with their business. Have you used Uber out there as a listener? Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. I'm interested. 0427 JOY949 is the text, so you can email onair at joy.org.au. Yeah, let us know your experiences with Uber, because they've been in the news for other less desirable reasons recently as well. Let us know. Um, Sticking with local news, we have lost two models from the Australian range this week. (gasps) Are we particularly sad about this, boys? One I'm sad about. Which one? 
The Honda Civic Diesel. Yeah, okay. Why? So about a week ago, Honda finally introduced in Australia the updated UK-built Civic. Honda Civic's a pretty famous name in Australia. Everybody has a Honda Civic story of some sort. It's like a Corolla. But lately, it's been struggling terribly because they get the hatch out of the the UK and the exchange rate makes it really expensive. There are other newer cars out there. Long story short, it's not selling. They did the update. They're hoping for better things. But they had this diesel in the previous one that was really great. But being a European diesel, it's only got a manual gearbox. Right. And we don't like manuals in uh, or we don't like manuals in Australia traditionally. So they couldn't sell any, and so they just dropped it. But it was really sad because that diesel Civic was a really underrated car. I drove that and I thought exactly the they same. They sold like seven in the entire time yeah. it was on sale here. <laughs> 3% of Civic sales were diesels, which shows... I mean, diesel passenger cars in general are actually down 30% this year. So nobody's buying diesel cars in the passenger segment anymore, unless you're talking big SUVs and yeah. things. But it is a shame because it was a cool car. That was a great car. And manual was good fun as well, but exactly. you just can't sell them to Australians, it yeah. seems. Now, the other car that we've lost from the Australian range, uh, we're less sad about this. Sorry about this, Renault, but your fluence is gone, and is. I don't think anyone will be mourning no, it particularly badly. fluence. Oh, sorry. Yes, correct pronunciation. Very good. Oui. <laughs> fluence. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a... Um, bit of a... Yeah. I don't know. No, look, it's a, it's a it's a small sedan uh, that don't typically do very well in Australia, particularly in any brand, uh, let alone, mm. you know, quite... It, Renault is rising in its... It's, it's interesting. That car is actually a Samsung. Because in Korea, <laughs> Samsung make cars. Really? They have a deal with Renault. So the, the company that makes the, the Galaxy really? phone, that TV that you've probably got in your living room, has makes cars and earth-moving equipment so and like, all sorts of stuff. Is and it it's like Sunbeam? They used to make <laughs> toasters and cars. Sunbeam, yeah. Well, I it, like that. I like being able what to buy, you know, all of my white goods from a car maker. Yeah. Whatever happened to Sunbeam cars? I don't know. They if brought they brought back. There's, there's a few brands that have been brought back recently. Borgward's come back. Yes. Maybe Sunbeam will come back. Well, let's just keep our fingers crossed, you know. Yeah. It's, it's not as if we haven't got enough choice on the Australian yeah. market. What is it? 60 mm. brands now, I think, or 50-something? Yeah, it's nuts. So there you go. Two casualties of the uh, of the uh, Australian car industry there. Not a lot of mourning for no. either. Um, we will be back very shortly. We've got more news to discuss, both local and international. It's a bit of a grisly afternoon, so uh, just stay warm with us in the studio. It's pretty. It's actually a bit gamey in here, isn't it, boys? Yeah, I don't mind that, though. Sorry. Oh, no, you wouldn't. I can smell you from here. Oh, it's like a badger set. It's great. Can you say motor? Motor. Or do you want it in the Somerset accent? Yeah. Motor. Oh, no, not that one. The no, you don't motor. like... Oh, motor? Like, Wait, oh, like London? London. Motor. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you've got no. it. I'm, I'm just a one-man act here. Anyway, just moving on. <laughs> just wanted to hear that. You are joined by Jeremy, Mike and Dan in the Joy 94.9 studios. This is Fender Bender. We're discussing all things local and international news. Before the break, we were talking about two casualties of the Australian car industry. Now we're going to talk about one, another casualty, but not just yet. The final... Commodore, Holden Commodore has been spied testing and it's revealing a couple of secrets. Now this is an important car for sort of bittersweet reasons. It's probably the best the Commodore's ever been uh, but the facelifted one which is currently testing secretly at the uh, Holden Proving Ground um, is going to be the last but we're going to get a facelift before it goes. Now uh, what the spy shots have shown is that the very interesting feature it seems to have adopted these things called venti ports which is a styling trait that Buick uses. Now, this and? is interesting because after local production of Holden ceases, uh, we're going to, Holden are going to obviously be a 100% importer and these cars are going to have to come from other markets. Buick is one that is pr- probably going to be supplying because we've now seen on the Commodore, just short, just in front of the A pillar, these little vents, which Buicks have had for, for decades and they've just appeared on the last Commodore. So does this mean that we're going to be getting Buicks well, to replace Bu- Buicks massive in China. 
because Buick is obviously an American part of GM, but it does really, really well in China, and it only focuses on left-hand drive. So it'd be a bit weird if Buick was the brand they chose. I mean, we know Opel's going to supply cars. Of course. And we know that Chevy's going to supply cars. But Is that Buick, because their production line only caters for right-hand, uh, for left-hand? Buick? Yeah. I think it's just the way they've been positioned. I mean, if you can do well in China and America, you don't really need to do well anywhere else, you know, so you don't even bother. Yeah, but you're mm. saying that it would be weird to well, for them choose to, them because yeah, they'd have to set up a new assembly line or something. Or to just to recalibrate their focus just for tiny little Australia. It'd mm. be a bit weird. But it might point to the fact that right now all the trends in motoring, like what Volkswagen Group does, for instance, is all the different various brands are all much more related underneath the same umbrella. Right. General Motors has this thing where all those brands are quite different, but it might show that they're all going to get a little bit closer and more related and they're not going to have so much difference between them. So Chevy's and Opel's and Buicks and all those might actually be a bit more common as things go on and that so, Buick thing yeah. might actually go across the range. It's the only way to really do it in the modern age is what everyone else is doing. And if you want to keep up, you kind of have to. Is that sad? I mean, do we, do we are we losing a bit of our identity here? I mean, I think obviously we are, but does, does that trouble it, anyone? It seems to always come up whenever I'm on the show, the, the word Commodore, and <laughs> I find it very uninspiring. I've never thought they're a particularly good car. Then okay. You, they're not very... Well, God, so unpatriotic. I mean, What's the matter with you? I know. I'm now the latest not. Commodore is actually really good. I'm not even like a Holden guy or a big Aussie car guy, but it's, it is a good car. Doesn't do much wrong. Um, between the Falcon and the Commodore, I reckon the Commodore's definitely got it. Oh, pff, yeah, miles better. They're just the interiors better. way better quality. Was well, because um, Ford spent about three dollars fifty redoing the Falcon recently because that's all it had. <laughs> one of the other suggestions is that the new Commodore is going to go to six point two liters up from six liters. Because um, you really need that extra. Two which well, and which then is re- ridiculous though. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Well, look, the the, the so SS unusable. which is sold in the US that already gets the six point two, which is like the HSV engine. If we get it here, that'll that'll break the magic three hundred kilowatt mark for the Commodore. So. You know, quite a nice way to send it out. Anyway, watch this space because we don't know anything yet. This only in secret testing. Yeah. Finally, we'll uh, we'll finish off the news with a little bit of international. This is great. I saw this just this morning. Now, the Lotus Formula One team is sort of known to be the 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 playful one in in the the series at the moment. You know, they they do silly things. They muck around. They're the one. They'll Look, they'll be sitting at the back of the class when you're losing every way. When you're losing every race, you can kind of get yeah. away with being funny. Yeah. There's no pressure on you. You know, True. no one expects you to be anywhere other than the back of the grid. So Lotus have uh, teamed up with the forthcoming Mad Max uh, film, which I'm very excited about because I love Mad Max, and they have made get this a Mad Max Formula One car. How does that work? Well, you know what? You know what? In Mad Max, they they turn the cars into these sort of like angry, yeah. sort of beaten up but weaponized vehicles to fight it out the on Landau. roads. Well, they've done it with the Formula One car. It's amazing. It's got dual rear tires, knobbly tires on it. It's got flamethrowers on the side pods. Um, it's got skulls on the front spoiler. It's all painted in matte black. It looks so mean. And they use this in the movie. No, I don't think it is in the movie. Oh. It's just something that Lotus has done to, to, to celebrate the fourth Do you know what I'd like to see? Like a practical use for that car. The next F1 <laughs> race, right? There's a practical yeah, use? Yeah, no, absolutely right. The next F1 race, they're all on the starting grid. And as they take off, the Lotus car does a U-turn, turns around, and then drives in the wrong direction on the track. And then when Lewis <laughs> Hamilton in the lead comes around a corner, he just bang. Just I love through, this. And just like Pillion, just takes them all out. I love this. And then it turns around and wins the race. Yeah. It'd be amazing. And then right? flame we'll throws anyone. Everyone says F1's a bit boring now because the cars sound crap and there's only one team that never wins and you know it's a bit dull right well this is the way that you sex up the sport again I like it carnage safe carnage mm. but yeah you know, can Mel Gibson be driving 
No, I think he's kind of lost the plot, hasn't he? I think the ship has sailed for yeah. Noel Gibson. There's Shame, no coming really. back for that guy. Because yeah. he was a bit, as we were saying earlier, Jeremy, mm, he was a bit of a babe, babe in the first yeah, one. Yeah, he was. I watched that just last night, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, in well, just in lead up, yeah, in preparation to, to seeing the new one. So I watched the first one last night. Okay, I'm excited. I'm going to go and see, I might do that thing when you see it at midnight, the first showing, because I'm that excited about it. Really? That. Yeah. You are a bit nerdy. You know there's, how, like, no- for <laughs> cult films, sometimes people dress up? Yeah. Is there going to be, like, people dressing up for the first screening of Mad Max? I would not normally ever do that, mm-hmm. but this is the first film I probably would, because you, all the costumes are so cool. Well, you don't look ridiculous, do you? Like, if you're dressing up for some films, you look a bit, you, you show a part of yourself you might not be particularly well, proud of. That's but well, no, give, uh, Sorry, Mad Max, you know, you're looking around, you're walking around in leather might, and that. And I might still be telling to show a part of myself I normally, <laughs> I normally wouldn't moving on then Mike we're going to talk about something you've been driving recently something uh, that's uh, dear to most petrol heads hearts oh, that didn't sound right for a second that's two two anatomical parts in one there taking the theme on further um, you have been in a very exciting car briefly haven't you what did you drive all manner of exciting cars lately um, I had a quick spin during the week in a car that uh, is one that any petrol head would you know be pretty excited to drive the Porsche 911 GT3 which is basically the racing version of that car I mean they're all quick it's a Porsche so it stands to reason it's going to be fast but not all of them have you know roll cages in them and not all of them have racing seats with four-point harnesses in them and it's basically there's no reason why that car should actually be on the road it is fine on the road but there's no reason why it really should be but it's quite an experience to be driving around in a car like that but i think the more interesting thing of that because you know driving a car like that on a racetrack is 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 in its element but where it's not probably in its element uh, is driving it down, say, Chapel Street on a busy night. Is or that what down you did? Punt Road in peak hour, or well, these things are unavoidable if you're if you're living you're in the city. You're doing chap laps, not in a chap nine laps. No, but I have to go through Chapel Street to get where I'm going, or okay. down Punt Road, oh, how or convenient. down some or some little inner urban roundabout where you've got to take a, a sharp turn, and this thing's really wide and low and worth more money than but you would really want to have in your hands in a situation like that so i think that's where a car like that gets particularly interesting and vaguely terrifying right okay well that's good mm. i'm pleased you did do a bit of that kind of testing because that's <laughs> what that's what porsche and everyone who's ever owned a 911 says is it's, it's the car that you can live but with this day. is the one that isn't like that so the, okay. a regular a regular 911 is just a that's the awesome thing about 911s and porsches in general because you know you can flick a switch and they become crazy track machines and then you put it in comfort mode and you just potter around and see every man everyday supercar this car is completely uncompromising and doesn't even have any pretense of being anything other so it's kind of a different look at the way porsche can calibrate its cars um now jeremy you you and mike are in a in a a very exclusive club in that you have driven porsche 911s i have Mm. never i have never lost my 911 no no i've driven all manner i've driven ferraris and all other porsches and mercedes and and maseratis never driven a a porsche 911 yeah yeah i fell in love with it as soon as i drove it i was before that I wasn't a big fan, you know, I wasn't all about Porsche and, you know, never particularly fancied him. But after driving it, totally fell in love. Really? Yeah, it was just like the only car I've ever felt like, and it sounds really cheesy, but being part of the car. Yeah. And it's the only one out of, of, you know... And I was talking to um, a group of uh, journos recently. They were doing a, a track comparison of all of those sort of classes of cars. So they had the, I think they had the Lamborghini Huracan there. They had Ferrari. They had all this. And the 911 was there. And they said that the only car that you didn't have to keep pulling into the pits every now and then to let the brakes cool down mm. and let the tyres come back on was the 911. 
It's, the, it's so yeah. rock hard consistent. It's the only one you can drive like a maniac and it will just continue to do its mm. job day in day out. There was a global media launch where they had one car for the entire stint. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds no. of people driving it around tracks. Again Isn't that and again brilliant? And again. Yeah. That's the key. That's why people often think to themselves, why is like a an Nissan GDR half the price of a Porsche? The GDR is an amazing car, but I don't know whether it would stand up to things quite as well as the Porsche. Yeah. There's that like over-engineering thing that they do that very few others do. It's just, it's infallible German logic and, mm. uh, and engineering. And every time a new car like this comes along, like the classic example at the moment is the uh, Mercedes-AMG GT. Um, everyone says 911 competitor. You know, every time a car like that comes along, they always say, they always might... Benchmark against benchmark. the 911. And still to this day, no one has been able to take that crown, have they? No, I don't think so. Oh, well, maybe I'll keep my fingers crossed and I might jump in one someday. If you're mm. listening, Porsche, I'd love to drive one, by the way. <laughs> we are going to have a, a little bit of music in the meantime, but when we come back, we'll be discussing uh, some other things you've driven, Mike, and we're also going to be talking about where Jeremy has been. Hmm. There's a lot of rumours floating around mm. as we're, about where he's been, but uh, we're going to get the truth. That was a bit of a loco, believe it or not. Bit of a blast from the past. You're on uh, Joy 94.9. My name is Daniel and you're on Fender Bender, the automotive hour. Can I also say that is the least NAF song that you have ever voluntarily played on this? Don't. Come on. That's yeah. a bit harsh. That was, no, that no, was a vaguely passable song. I, thank you. I yeah. think thank you. I mean, that's kind of one of those compliments <laughs> that's, that was wrapped up in, a, in an insult. Um, or just a straight out insult, really, wasn't it? All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, someone who You've got is, a special taste. is happy. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, I would like to think it's a very Joy 94.9 taste, all right? Just think yourself lucky there's no Venga Boys or Aqua this week, because there could have been. <laughs> we had a message, I believe, in the break, didn't we, Mike? We did, from Brad. Uh, we were talking earlier about Uber and what we think of Uber and if anybody's used Uber. And uh, uh, Brad says, not used Uber personally and, and don't doesn't use cabs on a very regular basis. However, being from a family that ran buses and coaches for about 30 years, I know that part of what the licensing requirements involve is to have highly documented maintenance programs, drivers that have passed police and working with children checks, medical checks, and having a license to carry passengers. Similar requirements are on cabs. And then Brad asks the question, can Uber make the same claims? Honestly, I don't really know. And it's kind of a good point that none of us do know. Maybe uh, that needs to be put out there a little better. I, I, my understanding is that the cars have to be to a certain standard with Uber and that uh, insurance-wise they're covered by a, a broadened policy and that Uber has its own checks and balances that it enacts. But, you know, whether they're as rigid and as structured as the taxi industry, I don't really know. And it is the question, isn't it? That is the question, and that's what's been, been the criticism all along. Um, you know, how, how, the way that they save you money is by cutting corners. Now, that sounds harsh, but one of the corners they're cutting is by, you know, employing drivers that aren't trained drivers. But then in other ways, like, I haven't been in a taxi lately where the driver was any good. You know, I've yeah, seen taxi well, drivers, trained drivers. Taxi drivers driving with, like, one finger or one hand on the wheel generally... Taxi drivers, to me, aren't paragons of driving ability at yeah. all. And, you know, Uber has an app that's fantastic where you just basically book online. At, you know, you, the, in terms of paying, it's maybe safer for drivers because there's no exchange of money. You, you've paid once you step out of the car automatically. Yeah. So, you know, I think Uber's maybe not doing some things the taxi industry's doing, but it's definitely doing other things that are maybe better than what the taxi industry's doing as well. Speaking of doing things that might be better, Jeremy. Hmm. We haven't seen you for a little while, have we? I know, I've lost track. I don't know when I was last on here, but it was a while. It was. It has Ages. been a while. Yeah. Jeremy was, of course, one of our original regular co-hosts. Yeah, I'm an imposter so, here. Which is now, how many years ago? You mentioned it before. It was like four, four years, years ago yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So, we haven't seen you. We used to be a regular on the show. Yeah. And we haven't seen well, you for a little while because you've been up to something 
very wholesome and I very have. quite charitable. Yeah, I guess it is. It's almost a charity. I don't know if I'm allowed to legally use those words because <laughs> I've had to jump through so many hoops. As That's it why is. I was saying it was a charity. I'm doing. I'm doing a favour here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell I've, us what I've still, up to. Yeah, well, look, I've still been in here in the studio yep. a few times, um, but yeah, promoting something a little different. I founded an organisation when I returned from Southeast Asia that um, aids displaced people, mainly dealing with education on the border of Burma and Thailand. So yeah, that's been keeping me pretty busy. That's amazing. So, so what brought this on? I mean, what, what happened? I, th- I believe it started when you, you went for a little bit of a potter around the world and a travel, didn't you? Yeah, but it, I, I went with those intentions when I, when I left to do that. It was actually before that when I was scratching my head, looking at my day-to-day life and finding that it wasn't overly fulfilling and, yeah, wanted to find a little bit of purpose. So I just went out on my own journey and ended up somehow through a lot of different sort of chance meetings and whatever out on the, well, a little bit of time in Burma, but also on the Thai-Burma border out in the jungle. So I roughed it out there for a while and got wow. to see a bit of a different life. Was it Was it really, you know, you must have been really roughing it, like it was proper... It was. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to do treks because it was wet season when I was uh, first arrived there. So no access through transport. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, there's no full drive access or you couldn't get the motorbikes in there because all the rivers are too high. So it was trekking with a backpack through the jungle, which is pretty tough. In the wet season. So in humid as all hell. Yeah. And sleeping on wooden floors and Wow. You must have been just one big mosquito bite. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, I mustn't have particularly tasty blood because I don't get oh, I know that's too. not true. No, I don't. Really? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Mm, do, do you, you want to try they, some? You, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll just I'll, I'll stick with maybe a pot later. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was it was amazing. It was, um, yeah, I guess you could say life-changing, but just, yeah, coming back and, I mean, you know, you could take your pick anywhere in the world where to help because, every, you know, there's plenty of people out there that need it, but that's where I ended up. And um, our beneficiary over there, Kid Launch, um, runs a lot of education programs, you know, and um, just empowering the, the small communities out there because they don't really have any assistance and um, yeah give, sort of giving creating some opportunities for them that is fantastic yeah and, and the reason I think this is great we, we wanted to get you back in and have a chat about it just to because Joy has been a real big help to you hasn't it Joy has been incredible um, in particular Asian Pop Radio which you've got to tune into because uh, Jason from there is just uh, yeah he's incredible he's been a huge support and it's ongoing and yeah, we, we can't thank him enough and Joy as well has been a big support and Dean Beck as well. If you tune in, he's, uh, he's interviewed us a couple of times. So yeah, it's really kicked things along, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough and um, we're building it, but yeah, it, it's getting there. Which leads me on to the next question. Where, where to next? What, what are the plans for the future? So now we're just, uh, you know, we're doing fundraisers here. We just had one last Thursday. There'll be more upcoming fundraisers, which you can check out on like, they'll be posted on our website, which is echointernational.org.au. And yeah, we're doing small fundraising like that. We're getting set up um, with all our, you know, behind the scenes paperwork and um, doing a trip over in July to see how everything's going and, um, you know, sort of create the next steps of our projects um at the moment we've got a couple of people going to university um that we've sent from the villages out there that's we've, fantastic we've, so you're actually getting people into university with the yeah, work yeah yeah and um that's amazing 
we're fundraising for a school at the moment, which is over the border in Burma. Yeah. Um, a tough little spot to get to. And we've also filled a school with computers and tables and chairs and all that sort of wow. stuff. So lots of stuff going on. And um, we always want people to get involved. And it's, excellent. How can they do that? Yeah, well, anybody can t- contact us through our Facebook or, like I mentioned, um, on the website, echointernational.org.au. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to get in contact with us and, you know, do your own fundraisers or come for a trip with us over there. And, um, yeah, we really want to get people involved. We want an avenue for to make it easy for, for anybody to get involved. I mean, we're just ordinary people and... Um, and that's and people do want to get involved with. I mean, typically you talk to people. Australians are very good volunteers across yeah. the board, and they do like getting involved with these things. So you're giving them a, a way that you've you've basically done the hard work. You know, you've laid down those those uh, contacts. Yeah, and you're on the ground there, and you're giving them a, a quite a convenient way actually to get in to get involved. That's and, right. And yeah, I mean, difference. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I hit all those brick walls when I was uh, before I left to go um, to Southeast Asia. It just yeah, it, it was a constant brick wall to try and volunteer and help you know you got to jump through hoops and sign this and you know certificate this so yeah if we can if we can make a bit of a easy avenue then you know that i think it's a great thing because a lot of people do want to help and it shouldn't be hard to help jeremy it is absolutely fantastic that is just about the only excuse i would have accepted for you not being in on the show for so many months really okay well pretty that's much lucky yeah as far as excuses go it's pretty you know it is watertight a very it? Normal and doesn't it doesn't it just <laughs> highlight how vacuous what we do for a job is <laughs> you know we come in on the show every week we talk yeah. about cars and we're swanning around the world i know if all the motor journalists drop dead overnight no one's going to wake up worse off are they but <laughs> probably Jeremy's doing something really oh, worth come on so absolutely get in touch we're going to have just a very short break but we'll be back very shortly after this we've got a we've got a few more minutes left of the show we're going to discuss a few other things namely i i was playing a tradie earlier in the week i'll tell you a little bit more about that in a bit but before that mike i want to talk to you very briefly about you had uh, you had a european trip didn't you I did, and uh, I had uh, while I was over there, I thought it was only appropriate to drive a bunch of cars that are coming to Australia but aren't yet on sale, just so we could get an early sneak peek. And uh, two of them that I drove were both kind of new bookmarks or new extremes of the Volkswagen Golf range. Everybody knows the Volkswagen oh, Golf. Yeah. There's a Volkswagen Golf wagon, so there's two uses of the word wagon in one car name, which is novel. But there's two uh, versions of said Golf wagon in Europe coming to Australia later this year. One is called the All Track and one is called the Golf R Wagon. You might be able to guess what the Golf R Wagon is. It's the Golf R in wagon form. <laughs> so the 206 kilowatt all-wheel drive turbo performance hardcore version, just that you can put more stuff in the back of it. And it's going to cost about two grand more than the regular Golf R. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a fan of the Golf R and you want to carry stuff around, I can tell you right now after driving that car hard, there's hardly any compromise the fact that it's longer uh, means that it's slightly more controllable at times and oh, slightly nice. less nimble at other times, but only by a very, very small How small much longer amounts. is it? Uh, Jeremy, oh, you're all just... Honestly. I can't remember the exact figure, which is kind of shameful. Um, I would suggest is somewhere around 20 centimetres. Jeremy! There you go. Hey, hey. Gross. So it's only, two, it's only well, te- two grand for 20 centimetres. Technically the hatch is cut, you see, because it's a shorter version. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, Cu- yeah couple, okay. couple of grand more... 
Probably. They haven't announced final pricing yet, but it'll be just under 60 grand. And does it look better? Because you know, like, typically in Audi's range, like the, the well, Avants and the wagons look that's better. That's right. Europeans the... do wagons really well. Yeah. And the Golf wagon looks good. This one's lower. It's got bigger wheels and wider tyres and... It just looks badass, understated, but badass. But as the all-track, it's really interesting for me because Australians are buying tons of SUVs now, more than they ever have before. But there's kind of like a subsection of SUVs, and it's really defined by cars like the Subaru Outback. They're not really a four-wheel drive, but they're sort of a wagon. It's a bit yeah. higher with some chunky wheel arches and sort of vague pretensions of being uh, decent off-road. And, and Volkswagen's done a version of the Golf. And it's coming so it's here? Golf wagon jacked up, bigger wheel arches and all-wheel drive. It is coming here in a few months' time, and it's got this really cool off-road program took it in some pretty hairy terrain um, and it handled it beautifully cool. so you know i guess you've got these two new extremes to the volkswagen golf range golf all track golf r wagon fantastic mm. looking forward to it uh, we're going to take a very very short break but we'll be back after this you're on fender bender on joy 94.9 who was that lovely voice doing the live read in there i wonder hmm it's very anonymous. Yes. It sounded familiar. It was weird. It's like we've heard that voice really recently, like only seconds before. You're on Joy 94.9. This is Fender Bender. It's a Saturday afternoon. We're talking all things cars. We've been talking international, both Jeremy's wholesome activities and Mike's... Yeah. You, you gave me a hard act to follow, right? <laughs> There's Jeremy over here, St. Jeremy, talking about his wonderful charity <laughs> initiatives. And it's like, oh, Mike, talk about swanning around in some fast cars. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to trump the pair of you because you've been in Europe. You've been in other parts of tropical world doing charitable things. I was in Adelaide. Oh. Hello. All right. All right. Okay. Now, this is important, though. This is what I was doing. Was I, I was basically keeping Australia running because I was there to drive a van. Wow. Why did you have to go to Adelaide to drive a van? Because, actually, this, that's a very good question. Um, because you can, you can, during the rush hour in Adelaide, you can actually still move. Uh. So we wanted to do some, some urban driving and some also rural driving. Uh, with the new Renault traffic. And if you tried to do that in Melbourne or Sydney, you would have just sat there listening to the radio. I would have road tested a radio in a van but all you, day. You could say, how does a traffic handle traffic? It writes itself down. Oh, I like oh, it. Oh, very good. <laughs> traffic is, of course, spelt with one F because they haven't learned how to spell it properly Correct. yet. Um, mm. But this, so this is the Renault traffic. Now, there's a critical point to this van. In the last generation, it's the third generation, we only got the last one in Australia which had a two-litre diesel. It did quite well, actually. It was of the Renault commercial fleet. They've got the Kangoo and they've got the Master, which sit either side, small and large. Traffic is the midsize. It was actually the best-selling commercial vehicle they sell to quite a large proportion. So they really want this one to do well also. When it's come back, it's got a smaller engine. It's gone to 1.6 litres, but it's gained two turbos. So it's now actually more powerful than the last two-litre diesel, but way more efficient. It'll do 6.2 litres per 100 kilometres, which is mm. pretty good for, a, for any car, let alone a van. There's those European emissions regulations coming into play. Absolutely right. EU6 is so strict on any emissions. You've got to have small engines with turbos now. It's Precisely. just de rigueur. However, now there is a thing... That, the, now, the car is very good all around, the van, I should say. Um, it's a great drive. That engine is really spectacular. It does incredibly well. Uh, it's like sort of... I think it's 400 newton metres it puts out, which is... No, 360 newton metres, which is pretty good for a 1.6. But is it let down the gearbox? Yes, yeah. it is. It always has been. Because well, I used to work with, for, with Renault. Yeah, well, hang on, it, hang on, hang on. This is, you, were, you were on the money, but not you, you don't know how good you were, Jeremy. When I say the gearbox is the letdown, I mean it's only available as a manual. Ah. Yes. Now, the last traffic that's was... That's a good thing. Well, it is, it, it is for us. This, it is for us. And the automated Renault gearboxes... They were bad. They yeah. didn't get them right. 
Yeah, but Australians don't buy manuals. That's right. So yeah. while we like manuals and Europeans love manuals, as all the Europeans drive these uh, even even today in the yeah. auto world, Australians don't really buy them very much. So it's going to be a bit of a hard sell for poor old Renault. Now, in the last version, the second generation traffic, they actually said that they sold, Renault says they sold 60% in manual. So it's actually not the end of the world. But I asked, I said, so does that mean you're forfeiting 40% of the sales because you're not going to be able to offer an auto? And they said, no, because that engine is so good. This is quite a lot. I like this answer. They said, because the engine is so versatile, you don't need an automatic. They would say that, wouldn't they? I was like, hang on. So what, you just put it in one gear and drive around like that? And they actually, they pretty much said that. They said third gear will do pretty much everything. I said, they can't do that it's got six gears yeah. i'm not going to just drive and around in one yeah the whole pe- reason people don't like manuals is in peak hour they're on and oh, off the clutch exactly constantly. right yeah so it doesn't even if you are cruising around in third you still have to do that that's right so it they tried to tell me no you rubbish. don't need an auto because rubbish now look they are considering an auto um back in France. hopefully a, a standard automatic because the, the gearbox they had yes, beforehand was I agree. just yeah. terrible. I had a bit of experience with that. But the interesting part of all this is Renault is the van supplier for Australia Post. Right. Renault has been making massive input into its commercial range to boost sales here and it's Europe's biggest van maker by a hell of a long way and it is trying to beat Toyota and Hyundai here. Well, not beat them, but catch up to them here. Yeah. And it now is the exclusive van supplier to Australia Post, at least in the metropolitan areas. The question is, if they want to give Australia Post uh, a traffic van, I think Australia Post generally likes automatic vans because, you know, if you're stopping and starting constantly, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a good bet. So is this going to hurt them in that area? Quite possibly. Mm. And the other good thing about autos is that they're very good for rental companies and big fleets have lots of different drivers jumping in all the time. So well, yeah, I mean, you never know. There's lots of people who can't drive manuals Precisely. and don't have manual licences. The thing that will save it, I would say, is it's got some very good little features, you know, genuinely useful to a day-to-day driver. Like the, the, the centre seat's got three seats in the front. Centre seat folds down and has like a little bench that you can put your laptop on. It's also got a clipboard holder that holds it at a special angle so the driver can see it. It's got an iPad mount on the dash. It's got a phone mount on the dash. It's got all these clever little features. And the, my favourite one of all is it's got a flap. There you go, I said it. That opens up and allows storage from the load area underneath the passenger seat. So if you've got a very long one, load, Hello. I mean, Ooh, um, it can go... Yes, you can... Yes, you I've can never unload heard that, a, a long, long load. Yeah, from is the... Is that time-wise or length-wise? This is just turning... Way, way somewhere I didn't want it to. Anyway, no, it's sure, a great, it's what, a great what were you talking about? Your compartment? Doesn't, doesn't really matter. I think we'll finish it there, shall we? Um, it, no, it's, a, it's a great bit of kit, but we'll have to see whether the consumer will speak with their feet and not buy the... Uh, the Renault Longload. The, yeah, that's a way better name. Really hey, look, good. guys, we are very nearly out of time, but I wanted to finish with one of my infamous rants. And I feel I'm going to have to punctuate it with one of these. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. See what I mean? I've got all the power here. I can do stuff like that, you know? I've got all the buttons. Now, listen, is anyone familiar with a uh, computer game called Gran Turismo? Yes. Yeah, right. I love that game. But it's actually had an effect on the automotive world that is really annoying. And I'm going to explain now. When the the sixth generation of Gran Turismo uh, was created the makers of the game poly, poly polyphony digital uh, they asked all the manufacturers of the world to come forward with these concepts that they enter into a, uh, a competition or a, a, a club called vision gt and what they would do is that if the car makers submitted these concepts the game would turn them into a real car you could use i use the word real in inverted commas that you can then drive in the game. Now, that sounds like great, doesn't it? It's it's really good for the game. But what it means has happened is that these manufacturers, all of them, 
have now started teasing these concepts like they're going to be new cars. I saw one during the week. Is there some Peugeot thing that yes. it goes zero to 101.7 in seconds? Yes. And, oh, so w- where is it? What does it look like? Oh, it's just a, a video game car. But they build it up. They build <laughs> yeah. it up over the weeks following. It's pixels. Like it's it's yeah. not a real thing. Yes. It's making and, me mad now. But we keep getting these press releases out of these teaser images like it's going to be an amazing new Peugeot and then it just turns out to be a game. So to date... Get this, to date, Mercedes, BMW, Mitsubishi, Mini, Subaru, Chevrolet, Volkswagen, Nissan, Aston Martin, Toyota, Infiniti, and Mazda, and Lexus have all showcased these concepts, and it's not stopping there. And who's made any, has any company actually made their car? Not Even one. Even as a concept, like a physical concept car? Not one has actually turned into right. a car that can drive under its own power. Gosh. And it's set to go on, because... If you go on the website for the game, you can actually go down to the Vision GT section and behind closed doors, there is an Audi, Honda, Hyundai, Lamborghini, SRT, Tesla, Daihatsu, Ford, General Motors and style houses, Gugario, Zagato, Bertone and even Nike. Even shoes are in on the game. <laughs> Did you say Daihatsu? Yes! What the hell is Daihatsu going to do? I know, it's absolutely ridiculous. These cars are all coming. So what that means is in the coming months, we're going to have to put up with these nauseating teaser campaigns from all of those companies I just listed for cars that won't even happen. They're not even real. The and responsibility said, is on us as automotive writers definitely. to not cover it. Yes. Well, in fact, the last story I wrote about it, I did pretty much say, look, we're expecting all these other manu- manufacturers to come up with their so-called concepts. And I said, don't be surprised if we don't write about them. Because it's just infuriating. Good call. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad you agree with me. But it, look, it's, they've been doing it for months. And it has, it has got to a point where I hope that it does some of these styling trends that they've come up with. Hopefully they do filter down. They wouldn't put all that work into... Well, I say put all that work. It's probably some like mm. spotty 15-year-old who's on work experience. They just sit them in the corner and say, come up with a sketch and it will go in a game. Maybe that's all it is. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't got anything to say about that. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I didn't even know it existed. All right, then. Well, we'll like just I know about Gran Turismo when I was 15 and spotty. Yeah. Okay. Aw, there's a cute thought. Oh, thank you. And with that lovely image, I think we're probably going to have to leave it there. Until next week, I'm going to leave everyone listeners, dear listeners, thank you so much for listening, uh, with um, Jeremy's image as a spotty 15-year-old. We hope you come back very soon, Jeremy. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great to you. And keep up the fantastic work. Once again, how can people find out about your... Uh Echointernational.org.au Superb. And uh, Mike, you also keep up your good work. Yes, my... <laughs> Extremely giving work. (laughs) (laughs) And I will also try and do the same thing. But next week, it will be the lovely Tim Nicholson back to take the helm again. We have coming up next uh, another fabulous show. It's Technogaze with Michael, Mark and Rena. Um, And until next week, with loads more from the Fender Bender team on Joy 94.9, please do drive safely. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.